listeners, and welcome to Monsters Advocate. Monsters Advocate is a weekly podcast focused around the unsung heroes of myths and legends, the monsters. We'll take a look at some monster-centric myths and legends, some not-so-ancient cryptids, and everything in between, and try to sort out possible origin species, biological impetus for why they do what they do, and why we love to hear about them. So, listeners... I was all set to do a scientifically-oriented episode on deer monsters when I realized this episode is going to come out on Valentine's Day, and, well, the perfectly aligned theme was just too much of a temptation to ignore. So, settle in with your SO or SOs, or, if you're single, treat yourself to some well-deserved candy and self-care, and let's learn about some monsters who love love. Quick disclaimer, this episode contains some mature themes of a sexual nature. I try not to go too graphic, but some of these monsters are impossible to talk about without at least a little description of what they do. Sorry in advance. First, let's go into monsters who interact with mortals for dubious reasons. The most obvious example is a creature known as the succubus slash incubus, a demon of which a lot of variations exist throughout the world. The version we'll be dealing with today is the Judeo-Christian demon. The succubus slash incubus is believed to be the offspring of Lilith, the first wife of Adam, and the archangel Samel. Originally portrayed as grotesque-looking monsters that prey upon lone men and women at night, this creature has become more subtle throughout the years, appearing as a desirable man or woman to seduce their victim. Once the target is properly seduced, the succubus slash incubus has two goals with its mortal bunkmate. One, drain their vitality as food, and two, procreate which is surprisingly not too far off from the goal of female mosquitoes, if you think about it. Now, I keep saying succubus slash incubus because this creature is not actually divided into male and female forms, but rather is the same creature and is able to appear as a male or a female, depending on the victim's preferences. There has actually been intense debate by both Jewish and Christian scholars about how this creature procreates with humans given its unique biology but the answers that these old men have given are gross, and frankly a little narrow-minded. Regardless of how it happens, though, once a human has given this creature a child, the relationship becomes a love-em-and-leave-em situation. The children of these unions are called Cambian, and may have unique traits and powers because of their demonic origins. A great example of this is the character Merlin, from The Legend of King Arthur, who is said to have been fathered by an incubus. This Valentine's Day, if you suspect your SO may be a succubus slash incubus, there are a few tells. One, the obvious one, they will be very interested in doing the do, all the time always. Two, you may experience bouts of sleep paralysis and will wake up feeling tired every morning even if you got enough sleep. Three, if your demonic partner is appearing as female, their body may be subtly different than the average woman's, such as they may have bird claws or a serpentine tail. Now, I understand that the bodies of women may seem like a mystery to some people, but if you've overlooked this last one, I just can't help you. If, after all this, you have decided dating a sexy times demon is not for you, be sure to contact your local religious authority for an exorcism or ceremonial appeal for God's protection. Now, some creatures, once they find a mortal, are in it for the long haul, or at least until they put a ring on it. The Undyne are elemental beings of water that were first named by our guy Paracelsus, the same guy who describes salamanders as fire elementals. They, like many water spirits, can be found in forest pools and waterfalls, and are thought to be in the same family group as nereids, limnads, and naiads, and mermaids. Unlike many of these other species, though, the Undyne are not looking for mortals to drown or eat, 
but rather to marry. You see, Undyne appears similar to human women, but lack a human soul. Now, despite very long lifespans of around 300 years, if an Undyne dies without a human soul, it can achieve immortality in heaven with God. They actually take this super seriously. So, Undyne will sit by pools of water and sing, like many birds, and hope to attract a human mate. If they are successful in attracting a man and becoming married, an Undyne's lifespan will shorten significantly to match a human's, and they will gain a soul. This Undyne soul quest was an inspiration for Hans Christian Andersen's incredibly sad version of The Little Mermaid, which I do not recommend. Don't feel too bad for the Undyne, though, because it's not all one-sided. Entering into a marriage with an Undyne also puts restrictions on the human partner. Specifically, if they are unfaithful, they will literally drop dead. Which seems like a fair trade. Offsprings of humans and Undyne are human with a soul, but also a little something extra. These offspring also often have some small aquatic characteristic, which are adorably called watermarks. If this aquatic characteristic happened to be a blowhole, these offspring might get along famously with the Botocor de Rosa, a Brazilian creature that's the life of the party, a sweet-talker extraordinaire, a sharp dresser, and an occasional kidnapper. Botocor de Rosa translates to Pink River Dolphin, and that's exactly what this creature is. Similarly to Selkies, which we will cover at some point, I promise, the Botocor de Rosa spends most of its time in the animal form, which in this case is the Amazon River Dolphin. These dolphins live in an underwater paradise free from pain or death, but occasionally come up for air, so to speak, by taking human forms and seeking out human lovers. Now, these dolphins are most often male, and you can spot if your dude is a potential dolphin in a few ways. 1. They will be exceptionally attractive. 2. They are the life of any party, so much so that if they try to leave a party, people will become distressed and go to extraordinary lengths to make them stay. 3. They are very comfortable with their sexuality, and have no qualms about propositioning partners. And four, they will constantly be wearing a hat to hide their blowhole. Botos Cor de Rosa belong to that unique class of shapeshifter that can shapeshift, but not all the way. And this is a pretty big tell, so if you want to avoid this creature, I'd suggest just avoiding guys with hats. You may not want to, though. If a Boto Cor de Rosa falls in love with a human, they may become so infatuated that they will kidnap their lovers and bring them back to their underwater paradise to live with them forever. Which doesn't sound terrible. I guess it just depends how much you like water, and how ready you are for eternal commitment. Keeping with this transformation theme, before I go, I thought I'd offer one last quick creature-related love story. In the book, The Travels of Sir John Mandeville, thought to be penned by a 14th century French cleric, there is a small almost afterthought of a story. According to the author, the daughter of Hippocrates, unnamed except as the daughter of Hippocrates, was cursed by the goddess Diana for unknown reasons. Her curse was that she became a hundred-foot-long dragon, and she was so ashamed that she fed to a vault in a castle on the Isle of Lango. Now, becoming an immortal dragon was apparently not this woman's dream, and so Diana offered her a way out of this curse. She would be a dragon until the end of time, unless a knight was brave enough to come and kiss her on the mouth. That's right. That's it. If a knight did this, she would become a woman again. And Hippocrates' daughter did one better, and said that if a knight kissed her, he would get to marry her, become the ruler of the island on which she lived, and get all of her dragony treasure. There were two attempts. Attempt one, a knight of Rhodes rode up to the castle to kiss her, 
knowing she was a dragon, and all confidence that it was no big deal. But apparently, he got one look at her dragon form and ran away. The princess, heartbroken, threw him and his horse off of a sea cliff. In attempt two, the man actually sees her in her maiden form first, brushing her hair in the vault, and she warns him that if he's going to break this curse, he's going to have to kiss a dragon. But it was just an enchantment and that she wouldn't hurt him. Seriously. She's really a maiden, not a dragon. You just It's just one kiss. He says, yeah, sure, fine, and comes back the next morning to smooch her, but again, gets one look at that dragon and runs away. This time she chases him back to his ship, just trying to get that kiss, but the ship pulls away from the isle and she is again left heartbroken. Don't worry, though, he dies, because I guess if the dragon doesn't kill you for breaking her heart, the curse will. Now, there is no resolution to this story. At the beginning of the story, the author mentions that Hippocrates' daughter still lives on the Isle of Lango and shows herself three times a year. Now, if we assume she was born around 460 BC, the approximate time Hippocrates was alive, she is very, very old. But this is not necessarily a deal-breaker for dragons, given their crazy long lifespan. So, with our modern sensibilities, if you're single this Valentine's Day, might I offer some seemingly random information? You can buy knighthoods from small countries online, usually regardless of gender. The Isle of Lango is a real Greek island, now called Kos, that you can really actually go to. And the average kiss is about seven seconds. This Valentine's Day, go kiss a dragon. That's all for our monstrous Valentine's Day. I hope you enjoyed spending some intimate time with some monsters. And if you're curious about any of these stories, Check the show notes to find out more. Intro and outro music is by Scott Ethington. Before we go, a quick housekeeping note. I'm doing a giveaway for listeners. It's just something small because right now we're something small. But if you leave a review on iTunes or comment on any of our social media about what you'd like to hear more of, you'll be entered to win a D&D sticker set. I'll be picking a random winner for that on 221. So stay tuned. Lastly, if you like what you heard, all I want for Valentine's Day is a rate and review on iTunes. Or if you really want to spoil me, maybe join our Patreon. Either way, let me know if you love this show. Thank you for listening. And remember, anyone can be a monster. (laughs) 